welcome back to the Local Matters Podcast. I'm here today with Patrick. Hello. And Ethan. Hello. This is technically season three. Um, from now on, uh, we're going to be doing monthly episodes, uh, partially a recap and partially some ideological discussion. We're off to a good start this month. We've seen a few things happen in January for us already. And the 1st of February, which is the day we're recording this on, is the release of our book. Uh, so we're going to talk about that. We're going to talk about a few other things and uh, then we'll finish off by talking about the first chapter of our book. First of all, the book itself. Hopefully you've seen it on social media. Um, while we wanted to avoid advertising it too much, uh, it is something we're very proud of. It's co-written by five authors. And trust me when I say um, having five people agree on every word of over 100 pages is a task. It really is. Um, yeah, I think it was uh, it was a really good experience writing it because um, we do all sort of have very similar ideas already and we sort of had the vague idea of localism in our heads but sort of mapping it down uh, and sort of laying it out quite succinctly uh, in the book was, was not only uh, a really rewarding experience but also uh, one which allowed us to really sort of, um, you know, it was a great opportunity for us to entrench our ideas and, and sort of set out what localism really is on paper which is, is such an important task for, for everything that we're going to do going ahead. So it's it's really the foundation from which the organization is, is going to, to move from. And I think this is, in essence, um, stage two of local matters. It is, it is sort of the second launch, if you will, uh, because sort of I think everything up to this point has been leading up to the book. And now um, the ideas and the talking points that we've been making and discussing uh, you can see the ideas behind those. You can read them for yourself. You can understand what localism means, and you can decide if those ideas are applicable to you and, and, and your own community as well. So I think it's it's not only a, a brilliant resource for us in terms of staying on track, staying on the same page, and making sure that we're all sort of ideologically aligned, which is really important, uh, especially with the the amount of new supporters we've been bringing in. Uh, but it's also great for you guys as well to take a look through, understand where we're coming from, and, and hopefully um, you know, take a look at some of our criticisms of, of some of the problems of the 21st century and, and see if you don't agree. It was also important for us to write this book, I think, because it's very easy to get caught up in what you disagree with, and it's a lot more, well, you're a lot less likely to talk about what you're actually for, and it's a lot less easy, I suppose. Um, yeah, it comes quite naturally and it's basically an instinct to talk about what you oppose. So in our case, things like globalism, hypercapitalism, etc. But not a lot of people, or at least you're tempted a lot of the time to not think, what do we actually support then? What are we actually proposing? And it's much more important for a political movement to be very positive in its outlook and advocating for something rather than advocating against something. I think it definitely does waterproof us, um, not only from sort of misrepresentation but as well you know when you do put your ideas out there and advocate for something as you say Ethan it does open you up to more criticism it's uh, it is true um but that's not an issue it just means that you're not behaving like most other groups or parties for example who are very catch-all it's very easy to stand somewhere and say I am against first past the post and lots of people will agree with you from proportional representation advocates to you know all the other forms or anyone who's not strictly ideological and just wants change 
Uh, but advocating for something, yeah, really narrows your line, which I can understand the natives. Um, but I do see it as positive um, because it clearly defines us. And I think that's really important. It's actually surprisingly common, as you said, um, in modern politics to just be positioned against things. Even the biggest party, uh, in terms of vote share at least, in the country, the Conservatives, they're pretty much now just the anti-Labour party. They're very pro-status quo, if you know what I mean, and they don't Mm. actually advocate for anything except possibly doing what Labour's doing a little bit slower. And that's why I think it's important to really clearly hash out ideas and define our positions you know draw our lines in the sand because it's very tempting as you said to just look at and attack the symptoms of an issue but i think in this book we go quite to the heart of them and we want to you know resolve actually administer a cure to the disease rather than just focusing on the symptoms like uh, environmental damage for example instead we tackle the actual root cause of the system that creates these damages the, uh, the strength of Local Matters always has been the fact that it's been able to sort of unify uh, the discussion around various uh, topics which are in reality entwined but often aren't placed on the same playing field due to uh, sort of the constraints of party politics and the left-right dichotomy. Uh, you know, we're able to talk about everything from overpopulation to uh, small businesses to, uh, you know, ecology and rewilding. So we can talk about all these subjects, how they relate, how they entwine in a, in a singular place, which is, is really, really beneficial in understanding the total worldview of localism, which you couldn't possibly garner from just a social media page or a few seasons of a podcast. Um, you know, it, it sets it out a lot more clearly and, and in a way which I think um, you know, is affirmative to the ideas as well. I think it's also worth discussing that, um, you know, a lot of people will ask, you know, you've written a, a manifesto, right? It's localism manifesto for the 21st century England. So are you a political party? Why is it a manifesto? I think that's worth talking about. I think that ideological manifestos are uncommon today. Um, but the greatest example of an ideological manifesto would be the uh, Engels and Marx. We're setting out our ideas and we're putting them all into one book, which uh, may not be as impressive to you as it is to me, um, because obviously I've got all these ideas in my head, but to see them all together in you know in one group of pages is pretty impressive. Um, so yeah, an ideological manifesto really solidifies an ideological standpoint, and it's the standpoint of the organisation uh, and of a lot of people throughout England and in other countries as well. Um, the book is shipping uh, a lot more copies than we thought it would and we are so grateful on that point while I'm there uh, we are so grateful for everyone who's ordered the book already Um, it was far more than we expected Um, and it's not just English there are several international copies as well Um, so it's very exciting this prospect that localism could exist outside of England due to our work it'll be uh, exciting to see you know, uh, Bulgarian and Japanese uh, local matters form up and uh, work alongside us uh, someday in the future with their own sort of very uh, native and local version of, of the ideology. Um, and, and there's actually uh, a lot in the book on that, uh, talking about the applications of localism to places outside of England. Um, 
But no, it's it's exciting to just think about how people will run run with the ideas, how people will receive the book. And you know, I think even if people don't like it, I think the criticisms are always going to be helpful because not that necessarily I think we will um, find ultimate holes in what we think because it's it's obviously something we've discussed at very much uh, extensive length. But it's always good to know what other people think of the ideas so that we can talk around those criticisms and we can reinforce where we stand and address those concerns the best we can. Um, so whenever we've, we've sent out a book, um, or whenever we've, we've recommended the book, we've always asked for feedback and we really do mean that because uh, not only are we hoping that you enjoy the book itself, but also the feedback is, is incredibly helpful in helping us direct our social media content, our online presence and, and any sort of work we do in the future. Speaking of uh, growth, though, I mean, the, the actual organization itself internally in terms of supporters membership, which obviously you've seen advertised on our social media pages, uh, and you can apply for that if you're interested via the website, has been growing at a really brilliant rate. Uh, we, we now have uh, active members all across England, uh, you know, all the way up in Cumbria, down to Kent, uh, you know, near Bristol. We have people all over. So regardless of where you are now, if you are wanting to get stock in, it's it's the best time yet really to try and get involved because there are you know people around you who you can work with and and you can hopefully make a difference with um and we're trying to do our best to get as many things organized as we can given the current situation with the, the uh, pandemic and everything um and organize people based on their regions uh to to be ready as soon as that that lockdown lifts to be out there doing as much as we can in local communities cities and, and uh, villages to try and make some sort of difference spread the the awareness of the ideas the brand etc and uh hopefully have a good time while doing it as well yeah even though we're mostly still trapped indoors and everything it doesn't mean we're inactive at all i mean as we've said before we're very active on social media we've had our hands full writing this book over the past couple of months and we've also been quite busy planning some of these first actions that we're going to do on the ground for example one that we're planning is a sort of local protest i suppose or local manifestation against the growth of fast food industry in local rural towns for example one in the town of snodland in kent along the river medway so in this specific circumstance there's an old traditional centuries old oast house that has been part of the town's economy for many centuries and it, you know all of the inhabitants of it when it stopped being an oast house like i think the last time it was occupied was by a windows company they all still respected the original uh, heritage and structure of this building but now it's essentially going to be completely rebuilt externally and internally in the middle of a residential area by the way for the sake of kfc and the most offensive part of this whole thing i think is that the town uh, the citizenship that the citizens of the town have constantly made their position against it clear and the town council actually voted against its like allowing its construction but the actual town council's decision was overridden by the private company like the building company which is just if that isn't the most clear example of the power of money in politics and the complete lack of democracy in the country then i don't know what is yeah, we've even seen homemade um, banners in Snodland. You know, someone's got what looks like a bedsheet and has painted on it, uh, say no to KFC. It's real community action. It's real grassroots. Uh, as you say, the council doesn't want it. The specific council of the area doesn't want it. 
the MP doesn't want it and the people don't want it. And still, KFC is forcing their way in. And unfortunately, if the drive-thru does uh, get there, then people will continue to use it and it will turn a profit and it will add onto the massive income of KFC. Worth mentioning as well that the, uh, the actual proposed plans put the drive-thru uh, right opposite a high school. Uh, so there's obviously concerns there in terms of health, in terms of litter. You know, it's not even just anti-necessarily KFC. It's, it's you know, pro-community, anti-obesity, anti-pro-environment, I suppose. Um, it's it's all these different elements coming together to just show that this building plan is, is a very much corporate-led business interest rather than, you know, for the betterment of the community, which obviously, as we said, doesn't even want it. Um, so we're going to do everything in our power to try and uh, block the progress of this KFC being built, uh, both by working with the local community, a few social media campaigns, um, posters, stickers, things like that, um, and then a few other bits and bobs we have planned in the background. Um, but no, I, I have high hopes that because it's on the smaller scale and the community is is uh, sort of already rallied around the issue, there's a, there's a high chance that we can maybe uh, do something here and, and hopefully keep KFC out of Snodland, which on its own, in the grand scheme of, of politics, might seem insignificant. But to the people of Snodland, it's massive. And additionally, to the organization, it's massive because it's our first tangible, large-scale win in terms of uh, making real impact politically. And from there, we can only continue to improve our reputation, our experience, and um, our knowledge of, of, of these relevant issues to which we can impact, hopefully, eventually bigger, larger scale issues uh, for the betterment of not just communities, but eventually towns, uh, cities, and hopefully at some point the whole country as well. Yeah, this isn't an artificial issue. You know, This is a genuine community issue that this is what Local Matters is all about, isn't it? Yeah, and this is the issue we have um, in terms of when you're talking about the issues in local communities it's people largely feel it's irrelevant to them and it isn't because these are issues that they would be opposed to if they directly affected their town but just because it isn't happening there um is you know is an excuse for them to ignore it until it is um this is why issues like snodland where everyone has come out against the kfc are so important to get around because if it's not Snodland, then it'll be you know your town next, and that's why as well it's important to focus efforts around the town, um, because we can't realistically galvanise people throughout England to focus around this tiny KFC drive-through, um, but the people of the town will be uh, willing to oppose this as they have already been doing. Yeah, well that's the thing really. The these sort of issues have always existed, but the major failing of I suppose you could call them localist groups in general, just sort of community citizens action groups in general, is that there's very little solidarity between towns. So you'll have, as you said, it will just be basically doorstep activism where people only really care once it's their town that's being transformed and there's no one left to speak for them. So that, I think that's the main purpose of Local Matters is to be a vehicle of national, maybe even international solidarity with these little communities against the international threats that they face. It's a, it's a really important opportunity to sort of raise light of these issues because these companies are interested in this idea of infinite growth, which is intrinsic to a modern form of capitalism. And it's 
important for us to be able to create a web of solidarity between these communities uh, through our work uh, to try and promote some sort of pushback against it. And I think it will embolden these communities, um, not just the ones in which uh, we actually do our work in Snodland, for example, but I think around the country, hopefully, our aim is to embolden these communities to not only uh, realise they do have a right to say no to a KFC or anything else that might be uh, being tried to build in the town. And ultimately, uh, I think as well, it will, will encourage them to you know, use their democratic right within the town that already exists, use their voice and stand together for the betterment of the community. And obviously that community doesn't have massive amounts of jurisdiction and power there yet, but hopefully by showing them what good they can do within their communities once that community acts in its own interests, rather than just sort of sitting idly by and watching things happen and maybe signing a few petitions then it will show people the strength of local democracy, the benefits of local democracy, and be a brilliant mandate to encourage the promotion of a greater scheme of empowerment of local communities via local democracy in the future. Um, and all this is a long way down the road, but it is setting uh, th- this uh, KFC issue is, is uh, spreading the seeds of the uh, future localist uh, aura that I hope to see. Uh, and bold in England over the next sort of couple decades. Yeah, and I think there's no better time than now to begin localist activism, really, because never before have local communities been under such threat, I think, to have their fabric torn apart than now with not only the acceleration of global capitalism, but also lockdown destroying many small businesses, millions of small businesses, uh, upon which two thirds of the population, I think, rely on for their jobs. So I really think this is a good time to, you know, naturally advocate for these sort of issues and solutions. I agree. Lockdown has really brought forth everyone's belief in small communities, uh, small businesses, and has really put the pressure on independent business, which people have seen and reacted to in a way that we'd expect, which is a very localist way of being you know, pro-local, anti-global. Yeah, it's just important for us to translate that sentiment into action i think and into solidarity but it's not all bad news though there are a lot of uh, tenets of localism that are enjoying quite a lot of not only public support but actual public action as well especially in the environmental area yeah they're reintroducing bison aren't they to kent um i think it's due to start next year but um it's mad that that rewilding is already going so far as to bring bison back to the uk I mean, it's something that's quite popular in Europe. Um, like, it's meant to imitate the megafauna that lived in Europe before they were hunted to extinction. And they really are a keystone species in the, um, you know, like the ecologies of these areas because of the effects they have on vegetation, etc. And yes, Britain has been quite behind, really, in terms of rewilding, because we sort of, I think British people have a very ingrained sense that wild is wasteful, almost. You know, even we see brambles, it's just weeds and, you know, the term wasteland and brownfield and all stuff like that. It's just seen as abandoned land. And in the rest of Europe, they see it as pretty much, you know, very healthy primordial areas. So I think it's really good that this is taken off in Kent. Um, Hopefully it will spread to the rest of the country soon and we can get a much more green England. Yeah, I attended a a rewilding talk um, from a Yorkshire rewilding 
uh, organization and, and there's a lot of really exciting prospects um not just in kent obviously but across the whole of the country um that people can get involved with and there's a lot of schemes and organizations out there if, if obviously you do own any land um you can use to support and guide you uh towards rewilding or obviously if you don't uh, that you can support to encourage other people to. So no, it's it's um, it's a growing movement, and I think that there's going to be a lot of good coming from it in the long term. Uh, it's just about building publicity for it because it's something that I hadn't really heard about until um, sort of raising local matters, and then now I realise there's a whole community out there of people really passionate about it. So it's I think it just is publicity. It needs more funding. It needs more attention. But and the benefits need to be talked about more. Uh, as opposed to it just being a novelty of seeing these animals here, We're talking about what good they can actually do um, for the land, for the economy, and uh, the culture as well. Yeah, especially seeing as rewilding could be done in your own back garden. There was an article a few weeks ago which recommended people to make um, hedgehog holes in their fences uh, with their neighbours so that hedgehogs could run between um back gardens to find food and have a nest in different areas and things uh, and it's tiny things like that, that do make a difference especially on a national scale as well um, lawns shouldn't just be very short cut grass but you can let them grow wild and um, some of the photos of those look really nice a lot nicer than you know the flat lawn in the typical sort of 60s american home you know that you see in the american dream um, i think you know the english dream is a very wild garden it looks really nice the sooner people realise that we are part of nature and we have to work with nature rather than trying to drive it away and out of our areas, the better. I think that's something that lockdown has shown as well in terms of people appreciating nature in terms of mental health, you know? Yeah, a lot more people have taken walks around their town or down the fields and things. And um, there's some fields near me with a forest. And um, I mean, I used to take my dog down there a lot and uh, I've been walking down there during lockdown and stuff, and it really makes a world of difference to me personally. And I think to a lot of people, you know, if you looked up any sort of, um, if you looked up any depression help guide online, for example, one of the things recommended for depression is just to walk walk outside. Um, I know I know that's not fix all. It's not that simple, but um, it really can make a huge difference. Yeah, it's um, brilliant to see the amount of people who talked about the benefits of getting out. Uh, through lockdown and I think a lot of people after lockdown will still continue to appreciate those things because I think it's something that's been absent from a lot of people's lives uh, I mean we've lived very sheltered lives for the past well, 10 years at least if not longer for some people um, you know communities have always been on the decline in COVID uh, it's not only seen a rise in that but also it's seen a reconnection with nature and I think people will not forget the health benefits of that and I think we'll appreciate them more not only to their own benefit, but to the benefit of nature as well, hopefully in the long term after COVID. I hope so. And the community benefit as well. Um, you know, for example, a lot of people came out when lockdown first started, especially. A lot of people came and, you know, were doing uh, shopping deliveries for the elderly and things who couldn't leave their home. Um, it's not only reignited nature, but reignited community, absolutely. That's interesting, actually, that you say that you think it won't go away, or at least you hope it won't go away after lockdown, Patrick, because I remember you saying to me a while ago that you think once all the restrictions are lifted, it will be hyper-consumerism like we've never seen before. Do you still think that? Yes, 
I think that um, you will see uh, really bad consumerism. I think there will be a lot of pent-up steam. But additionally, I think that um, the dust will settle. And I think there will be certain things which are remembered. So people might go back to consumption habits that they had prior to lockdown. They might be even worse than before for a while. Um, especially in terms of nightlife. I can imagine there's going to be a lot of people getting very drunk and, and doing some very stupid stuff. Um, but I think long-term, people aren't going to forget lockdown. And I think after the initial shock of being free, quote-unquote, uh, comes um, comes through people after that sort of worn off, um, I think there'll be a lot more... How would you say? I think there'll be a lot more understanding and a lot more respect for, for what we had in lockdown and a lot more appreciation for the freedom that we have now. Or at least I hope so. Um, I also think there's a high likelihood that there still will be a massive spike. Or I, I'm almost certain there will be a massive spike in consumption as well. Um, especially in terms of businesses and whatever else. But I think, honestly, it's a time in which I, I'm not too upset about the thought of consumption. I think there's going to be a lot in terms of negatives. I think there's going to be a lot of people who get injured and stuff, especially on, on uh, and a night. But I think the businesses need it. I think local economies need it. I think they need that consumption and they need that overspending at the minute because of the pandemic. Um, so as much as I would never want to promote uh, consumerism or consumption at um, dangerous levels, I think, um, at this, this sort of stage, um, I don't think it would do as that much harm as opposed to normal consumption. I think it'll uh, sort of level itself out and hopefully those, those benefits of lockdown will stick through in sentiment, at least with some people, especially in sort of smaller communities. I think that's what it'll be. I think the rural communities will maintain the more sort of lockdown essence of themselves where they're still pro-local, still pro-independent, but the more urban areas, the cities and large towns, they will um, be returning to, you know, because no, they will be uh, the people who can't wait for their next Big Mac where they can sit inside, for example. Um, I think as well, everyone uh, across the country, just because it's a very English thing, everyone across the country is going to be going out on that on that first non-lockdown Saturday night and it's going to be mental. Just like the, um, the last night, um, I can't remember when it was now, but sometime last year, the last night before lockdown closed pubs, um, it happened to be my brother's birthday, so we went out and um, we couldn't get in anywhere. It was mental. Still, that sort of semi, uh, I wouldn't say necessarily sombre, but uh, potentially negative note. I think it's probably worth talking about the book um, and and sort of our, our ideals in there uh, regarding sort of local communities and, and democracy and things like that, because that sort of pulls on on uh, what we're talking about in terms of Snodland and then also some of the ideals that we want to see sort of carried through via lockdown. So the first chapter of our book outside of the preface and, and other introductory sections is uh, on democracy uh, and it discusses it in length um, ideas uh, as inspired by uh, systems of Swiss democracy as well as uh, Anglo-Saxon democracy and democratic traditions all across Europe and, and England uh, and, and sort of promotes the idea of local direct democracy as a uh, evolution of our existing representative systems 
and a step past our current representative liberal democracy as opposed to a sort of side piece. Um, it talks about you know the requirements of these modern societies um, to have this element of direct democracy more now than ever as uh, societies become increasingly large due to our existing overpopulation and have increasingly high requirements in terms of the maintenance of those communities due to the advent of sort of healthcare uh, provisions as well as um, different forms of taxation and things that happen at different areas and uh, a lot more infrastructure projects as well. So the actual requirements of all these communities is greater than ever before. Yet it seems like their responsibility is equally less than ever before. So we really try to uh, focus in this section about what we can do to empower our democracies, uh, the current criticisms we have about the existing forms of democracies, and uh, a few situations in which these uh, reformed democracies might prove themselves useful. Obviously, the key one being uh, what we've talked about uh, in, in sort of Snodland uh, as a prime example, uh, where you can see the the impact of democracy in action, or at least ideally so, whether people are in you know sort of unity within their community uh, that they don't want this KFC built and that they want to stand against it. And, and it's that democratic will, that mandate that they have to dictate what goes on in their community in the same way that your family would have, you know, the primary say on what goes on inside their house. Um, that, that really is a very clear-cut example of what, what we see as community action, direct democracy, in terms of, of um, the protection of community interests. Yeah, in an ideal system. And there will be a referendum on this KFC, uh, you know, sparked by the community outrage, the MP and the councillor's distaste, uh, and they could literally just take a box that says yes or no to the KFC. Based on the current trends in the town, um, people would ultimately vote not to have the KFC, and the referendum would mean that KFC could not illegally plant themselves in that town. And that's the ideal, and that that makes absolute sense, um, you know, from a democratic point of view. Otherwise, the MP um, would be able to represent the people not only by sharing their ideas, which um, Tracy Crouch currently does, um, but also by being able to enact those ideas through policy. Um, but the MP herself isn't able to stop KFC so far. It's a classic example of that need to growth, if you know what I mean, without regard to people's actual needs. Because I doubt the people that live in that little residential area, well, I don't just doubt it, I know, because they are opposed to it, we know that, that they thought, oh, I'm suffering because I don't have a KFC down my street. But they, the company just knows that they can create that need in people, if you know what I mean, and they can foster this reliance on fast food. So... Yeah, as you said, we really should have systems in local areas that let people defend their needs in a way, if you know what I mean, um, by defending themselves from this predatory expansion through, you know, as you said, Swiss-style democracy, which has things like optional referenda, or even just more power to the town councils. Yeah, there is already a Costa and a McDonald's in progress in the same town. Um, and I mean, you've got you can look at this from several angles: the obesity crisis, the democratic point that the people don't want it, um, the fact that it's you know down the road from a school, so you could you know you could call that predatory in a way, because um, you can expect kids to go there on their lunchtime and things. Um, especially, you know, it's not necessary. And then 
not not even just the fact that KFC is going to the town, but then the ramifications of it being at the Oast House, uh, which is from the eighteen hundreds, and that's you know going to be sort of destroyed and remodeled, or not destroyed, but um, disfigured. Um, you know, so they can be an effective drive-through for KFC. Um, all the all these elements, um, and yet we can't you know put a stop to it in our current system. But with a localized system, we could we could make tangible change on a local level because it wouldn't depend on um, national scale outrage for there to be a law put in place to stop KFC doing this. It would just require local outrage because that's the people who care because that's the people it affects. Exactly. I think it's really important to focus on the idea that, you know, it's not about the empowerment of the national, it's the empowerment of the local, which sounds uh, quite obvious at face value, but any sort of step away from uh, a very uh, liberal form of capitalism, let the markets do what they want, is seen as uh, socialism and it's seen as greater state control when localism is, is advocating for the exact opposite of that in a sense that yes it wants to empower democracy and, and, and politics but it doesn't want to empower it at the state level it wants to empower it at the local level to which point it is accountable and it does uh, bend to the will of the people in that local area uh, it's why uh, within the section we, we touch briefly on the point which we, we expand on far later into the book uh, that of a British confederation the idea that these local communities are as empowered as they can be to manage the issues relevant to their area and then above their own scope of influence outside of that area you would have regional levels which across the entire uh, sort of British Isles ideally would have uh, equal political sway between a region like Yorkshire to a place like Kent or uh, Cornwall and this 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 sort of tiered system would create a web of interdependent uh, and unified communities which work alongside each other as opposed to sort of in spite of each other um, or through this sort of system of top-down rulership um, it's it's it looks at the sort of system of left and right and also opens up a third axis of sort of big or small and it, it allows you to have uh, the benefits, really, of a dynamic democracy at both the localist of levels and additionally also have that unified front, the highest level, to deal with issues on an international scale as well, such as international concerns about the climate or international trade and defence, etc., um, in, in a completely modern setting which doesn't remove us of our democracy in the process. So it's, it's all about not just those small local communities. It's not just about the Snodlands and the KFC that's being built there. It's about every single stage of society working in a, in a cohesive hierarchy and ecosystem, uh, which allows people to regain the control over their own community that they've lost over the past few decades, which is, is ultimately uh, the product of, of a decline in our democracy. Another practical element to this local direct democracy is surgeries, and they do exist, um, but people, most people aren't even aware that they 
that they exist, never mind use them. Uh, and again, I would very much question how much power or influence they have. You know, if the MP of a, of a constituency can't stop this KFC, then what good is it for a local citizen to go to the, um, to the democratic surgery? Not only are people having their say, but they're having their say and it can make a, make a change. And that's the difference between our current system and the system that we propose. Yeah, that's really important, though. It's not just about reformation, if you know what I mean, or rather expansion of existing systems. Because as you said, democratic surgeries do exist and, you know, town councils do exist, but they're totally stripped of really what, how much power they should have. There's a lot we can do in uh, local matters now as well in terms of raising awareness of existing democratic processes. Even if we don't think they're as strong as they should be, there is still some impact you can have in your community. There still are causes you can get behind and ways you can support uh, your local area. Uh, so a part of our challenge as local matters is not only to advocate for an increase in powers, but also do what we can with the existing powers and show why they have benefit. Um, so as an organization, using those existing surgeries and existing means of democracy uh, to promote the idea that this is a system that works and should be in place is uh, is really vital. And I, I think that's got to be a cultural change, first and foremost, before it can be a political change, because it has to be that these surgeries are valued and understood before they can become uh, empowered and implemented with greater um of entrenchment across the country and with greater weight under a localist system so there's a lot of legwork to do but it's very rewarding at every step of the way because it's you know rather than just dropping a banner somewhere or handing out a poster you know you can actually uh, make a large impact in a small community and the people there you know their lives will actually be altered by by the work that you're doing so it's 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 very rewarding work to get involved with um, and it's, it's very rewarding for the people within the community who would hopefully uh, help advocate with something like the prevention of a KFC or um, the preservation of some form of local architecture or, or whatever the, the case may be to actually see the impact they're having. And it creates a strong bond between not only the people within the community, but between the people in the community itself. Our book talks about a lot of this not only direct democracy, but about the strategy, about the small wins, about tangible change on a local level. It all comes together. Um, so obviously, uh, we would recommend that you consider buying our book. Uh, it's on the website of the localist.org and all proceeds are used exclusively for furthering localism in England. And I think that's as good a point as any to wrap up. As said, these will be monthly from now on. Um, not only recapping the month's events, but talking about ideology, talking about the news, talking a little bit about um, the book, maybe ahead, um, and things like that. You know, today's the first day of the official release of the book. They're going to be posted out very soon uh, as people who've ordered them. Uh, so if you've not ordered one already, um, please make sure you do. Bye. 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 Thank you for listening to the Local Matters podcast. Please be sure to rate and review our podcast as this helps us to appear in online searches. You can find our in-depth articles and news at www.thelocalists.org. Follow us on Instagram at localmattersenG for our most active community news and updates. Feel free to message us on Twitter at localmattersenG to get involved and inquire about any way to help out, no matter how small. If you would like to get more involved, we have a local supporter chat 
To join, simply message us on Twitter. The supporters chat allows members to be in direct contact with the movement's key members and activities. If you would like to support our podcast team, writers, graphic designers or local activists, do consider finding us on Patreon by searching for Local Matters and clicking on that little red robin. Supporters can pledge as little as £2.40 a month, just the cost of a cup of coffee. Gain insider information on upcoming activities, graphics and events. Any support means the world to us. Local Matters is run purely on the passion of our volunteers and community to create a better England. You've been listening to the Local Matters podcast. We hope you've enjoyed our show and will join us on our very English journey.